Good morning. Welcome to Pierce Point Community Church. I'm really grateful that you're all here. Thank you. And especially those of you who are at home, I appreciate your being here as well. Before we get started on today's devotion, I wanted to introduce myself. You've hopefully seen me before. I'm Kathy Glover Griever, and I'm one of the deacons in training. Um, and in addition, uh, we're going to talk about Mark 1, verses 12 through 13. Now, that sounds like it's going to be a really short, sweet, devotion, but if you've heard me before, you know that's probably not going to be true. <laughs> I do want to say a special welcome to anyone here who's a grandparent, because you're being recognized today, and we thank you. We parents thank you deeply for all the love and joy and support you give our kids. Let's talk about lions and tigers and bears. Why? Because what do these crazy wild animals in the wilderness symbolize for us? Um, the book of Mark is where we're reading from, and Mark is commonly attributed to be written by John Mark, and Luke mentions John Mark in Acts 12. So if you're a little interested, this is you know, a little different than our typical Mark that we're speaking of. It is thought that the book was written primarily to Gentiles or non-Jews, and many of those people who had probably heard about the ministry of Jesus Christ, we're thinking he's Jewish, I don't really have to pay attention, it's probably not too much to me, as well as other people. Um, unfortunately, there are still people um, who are non-believers in Christ who take that same stance. It doesn't matter to me. But Mark covers in a very few verses what other Gospels take, probably half a chapter to discuss. Mark is very focused, he's very to the point, um, and he probably did that in part because he was afraid of losing the Gentile listeners. But I don't doubt also that this is just who the man was because it comes across very strongly. Um, but as prudent with any of our understandings of verses, um, we know that we need to read all the surrounding text to make sure that we get the full concept and the full content. So beginning with Mark 9... At that time, Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Sounds powerful. And then in verse 12 through 13, Mark throws in a verbal... <clears throat> He follows that lovely verse with, at once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and the angels attended him. Since Mark so briefly writes, many people wonder why he may even mention the animals at all, and what they were supposed to be representing, and of course that has stirred a lot of interpretations. It is my task to try to describe all that for you in 12 minutes. We'll see how well I can do. Probably not. As with a lot of the scripture, there are varying explanations, as I said. And here are some of the theological interpretations that I was able to research. In the Old Testament, Daniel in chapter 7 has this really crazy prophetic dream. He sees four beasts crawling out of the sea. He interprets these beasts as being symbolizations of violent, powerful kings and their empires and develop 
and then so does, develops a very powerful theme for the whole Bible. How humans and these remarkable creatures, but we're also capable of doing great good as well as horrible evil. But lest we lose sight, because we know that Christ was here to rid something bigger than just the Roman Empire. So maybe the animals have more significance than just these four leaders. Another view is that Mark mentioned wild animals just to add color and pizzazz to the story, uh, to intensify the sense of the wilderness. But when he never goes any further to describe those animals, it's hard to believe that that's what he was trying to infer. We would expect wild animals in the desert anyway. Mark is trying to um, probably convey something specific about those animals coming together. Mark chose the Greek word therion, and that comes from the base word of thera, meaning dangerous animals. So they weren't just wild animals, they were dangerous animals. There were other words Mark could have used, but he stuck with his gun, and he wanted specifically to say danger. A view more widely accepted refers to Jesus as a second Adam. And this is what we have talked and kicked around here at Pierce Point Community Church frequently, meaning that until the wilderness temptation, Jesus referred to himself as son of man, which really gives, which means humanness on earth and gives a lot of credence to this second Adam title. Conceptually, the connection appears to reach back to the garden where Adam was with animals as well before the fall. The first pages of our Bible tells us that God creates the humans and the beast of the field with one another and for the benefit of one another. However, the scripture in Mark, in being dangerous, inflicts a feeling that they're not really with him to be his benefit. But then the humans are set apart, and when we're given a royal task of being God's image, humans are called to become God's representative on earth, ruling on his behalf. And then something terrible happens. Adam and Eve sin. They're no longer representing God on earth. They're not on earth ruling the way that the Lord had pretended for them to be. So the Holy Spirit had left their embodiments Adam and Eve died spiritually the day they partake of the fruit, literally no longer living God's commandments. They were banished from the garden, no longer having dominion over the animals, and all the opposing similarities of the garden and wilderness conflict. Now, the Catholic Church, from my research, um, I did not actually speak to a a member of the Catholic Church, I apologize, but he, I read that the explanation of the wilderness is that Jesus lived out with Israel, also God's servant, lived. The wilderness anywhere is a dangerous place. He's been cast away as they were. In the midst of the hardships through salvation, God provided for Israel. And in the same way, God's angels provide for Jesus in Mark. Following this reason, then, it would seem that Mark wanted us to see that the wild animals are just as dangerous to Jesus as the scorpions and the snakes were dangerous to the children of Israel. There's a priest, uh, Jesuit Father Dries van der Aken, 
Aker, excuse me, who offers a blend of these two interpretations. And he argues that the wild animals could mean either that Jesus succeeded where Adam failed or that he was tested like the Hebrews. However, Father Aker points out something more. Unlike Matthew and Luke, Mark does not explain the temptation with Satan confronted him. Why is that important? Because there are no stones for bread or towers of power. Does that mean the animals were or were not a test for Jesus? And that is basically what we all need to struggle with in this scripture. This puts a whole lot more weight in deciphering the importance and the meaning of wild animals and if they were even part of Satan's plan. I think for most of us, we have always um, given the wild animals a dirty rap and assumed they were satanic. But then there's Richard Balcom. He's an Anglican theological scholar, so he expresses feelings of Catholicism and Protestantism. So he, he tries to spin and blend these theories together. Um, I have to admit to you, this is a personal piece that I really hold, and I found a lot of resonance in. After Adam failed God, he was driven out of Eden to live with the animals absent of the Holy Spirit. In doing so, Adam put all animals, man and beast, into cohabitating with Satan's power and influence. Bauckham believes that Jesus is the Messiah and Son of God who restores creation filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and therefore belonging only to God. Jesus had to fight off spiritual attacks from Satan, but he also had to survive the elements and the dangerous realities of the wilderness, which includes symbolically the wild animals. Mark's wild animals serve to remind us of the dangers we will be surround, that surrounded Jesus in all aspects of his life. Mark's scripture does not tell us that for Jesus, the test continued. He does tell us that for Jesus, the trials and the tribulations of the wilderness and the desert continued. Jesus often faced the anger and persecution as God's son. And, excuse me, God's people also have to face such. Importantly, in Mark's writing, he tells us that Jesus and the test continued way beyond the desert. Nowhere else in the gospel does Jesus encounter wild animals. Although we cannot dispute that Jesus does face beastly human beings. There are birds of sacrifice at the temple. There's a donkey to ride on into Jerusalem. Demons were dreaming, driven from a herd of swine. And there was a rooster crowing at Peter's denial. Did Mark include this, perhaps, to highlight the overarching danger of the experience for all of mankind? Jesus in Beckham's message is more than a new and improved version of Adam. Christ is sinless. He is the Son of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, specifically coming to secure a place for us, individually, you and I. We will be in his kingdom on earth. 
I think these explanations are quite plausible, as I said before, and most likely the reason for the inclusion of the statement. There is an example of Christ's superiority over first Adam and all who came before him in, the, in that Jesus succeeds where no one else ever could have. Mark's wild animals may well serve us that dangers surround Jesus and his believers all through life. Only Jesus is the one who can conquer those beasts with and for us. Jesus of Nazareth is recognized as son of God, no longer a man, son of man upon his baptism. And his ministry continues to go about banishing the beast from people's lives, teaching people how to rule the beast instead of being ruled or consumed by the beast. Jesus did that by giving up his life. So here are just a few takeaways that I gleaned from this. Christ's experience in the wilderness with the wild animals who aren't under his control or embodied with the Holy Spirit serve an example for Christian disciples. As we study the account, an even deeper meaning is revealed. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted because God wanted his son and his followers to understand that Lord's messianic message clearly. Christ had not come to earth as Israel's conquering king, but rather as his suffering servant. Lord was not tested to see if he would fail. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to draw Satan out to tempt Jesus, to demonstrate how we can resist the temptation and how, through Christ's power, we too can overcome. God was with Jesus as God is with you and I. Jesus was able to overcome these dangers, and our trust in God will bring us to overcoming those as well. With God's amazing gift of new birth, we are now able to see, to have faith in Jesus Christ, to be joined with him. Let's review that. There are a few other key points that come out of this. That's the overarching point, that Jesus is with us. But in times in the wilderness, we need to see that as indeed a gift from God. He is giving us an opportunity to step up and step forward and avoid those sins. See, temptation is not the sin. It's our responding to the temptation. Also, as I said, we are never abandoned, even in our most desperate, frightening, dark times. The sense that we're fighting the beast alone but we know that's not true because when we give our lives to God, the Holy Spirit comes into us and the angels are ministering to us and protecting us as well. We can overcome the beast among us and of us in the same way. To rule the beast by dying, dying to ourselves. To discover that authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in us will be our life and our strength. We can rule the world as God's partners but only in Jesus' style, in the style of service, humility, and self-giving love. 